you know, I don't know if I've met a parent that just feels super confident in their parenting. You know, I think yeah. we're all insecure in some area and you always think I could have handled this better. I could have mm -hmm. done this better. Um, I wish I was helping out more at the end of the day, but you know, there are days I don't feel effective. One thing for sure is balancing your marriage plus your parenting. It's June, and that means we are a few weeks away from Father's Day. As a way to honor all fathers, I decided a fatherhood series where we discuss its challenges and triumphs, but most importantly, what it means to be a godly dad in an ungodly world. In this episode, I'll be talking with my friend, Jimmy Brock. Hey, guys. He and I go way, way back, like way back to our camp counselor days at Secret Springs, but since then, we both spread our wings and have gone our separate ways. However, Jimmy has always stayed in ministry. After several years in youth ministry, Jimmy is now the director of Association of Baptist Students. Ooh, that's a mouthful. At Southern Arkansas University. <laughs> Jimmy, I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. And I know it's going to be a good one. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm glad to be on the podcast. I've listened to several episodes, particularly the ones with my past students that I've had in my youth ministry. And mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Awesome. So how long have you been at Southern Arkansas? We've been here one year. I moved here last April from oh, Texas and my wife and son moved here in June on my birthday last year. Oh, so we've been here exactly a year. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Is the Association of Baptist Students, is that kind of like the BCM? I need some like little frame of reference there because, you know, I'm a little Baptist girl and I was all into that. So I know what BCM, the Baptist Collegiate Ministries and, you know, that little bit, is it kind of like that? Am I on the right track? Yes, absolutely. We are a campus okay. ministry, just like the BCM. We have our own building right off the campus of, of SAU, and we do college ministry. And so, yeah, we are campus ministry, just like the BCM. Awesome. Okay, good. What has always drawn you into ministry work? Because, like, you know, you and I both started off camping days, which was awesome. Seeker Springs was great. And you stuck with it because you did more ministry work as a youth minister, right? And here being Louisiana and in Texas. Yes. You, think, you just graduated up, I guess, to college students. So, yeah. What has always drawn you to that? Um, probably my mentors of the past. Uh, I knew that I felt called to ministry mm -hmm. and immediately, and I was in high school when I felt this call and immediately was drawn to youth ministry because that's where I was saved. And, yeah. and I wanted to be for teenagers what my youth pastor was for me. And so it was kind of, and I wouldn't say I had a deep discipleship relationship with my youth pastor, but he meant a lot to me in my life yeah. and had a lot of influence on my life, just the relationship and being present. And, uh, and, and so for me, it was obvious. I was like, well, I want to do youth ministry, which led to camp ministry, youth ministry, and our college ministry. And honestly, the, the opportunities kind of just presented themselves. And so I just ended up walking through those doors that I believe God uh, was leading me towards. Awesome. I love that. And it, do you ever feel like your role as a leader to college students, like compares to your role as a dad, you feel like that bleeds over sometimes? Yeah, I think it does. Although I don't see it that way all the time, but as a minister, as a college minister, youth minister, you're a shepherd, right? Mm -hmm. You're leading students. Um, you, you have deep discipleship type relationships with them. You have mm -hmm. those teachable moments with them. You give yeah. them guidance and have meaningful conversations. And I think certainly that should apply first and foremost to the home with your own kids. And so for, yeah. for me as a dad, my, my kids are real young and um, we haven't, you know, had a ton of just discipleship, yeah. you know, Deep, uh, type, uh, yeah. deep conversations, but it certainly applies. That's my first shepherding role is in my family and then yeah. in my ministry. Yeah. So let's tell us about your kids. Like how many do you have? I know you got some boys and other ages and names. Tell us all about them. Yeah. So I have two boys, Titus and Josiah. Uh, Titus is two years old and Josiah is eight months old. And so 
Yeah, uh, it's a little young for the real deep, you know, uh, shepherding <laughs> conversation. <laughs> That's right. We we love talking systematic theology, okay, in our house. Yeah. But no, yeah, they're real young. There's always activity happening in my house. I feel that my boy is Asher. You know, he is 17, almost 18 months, and very active. <laughs> yes, yes. Not a, not a lot of room to sit around. Um, you know, so was fatherhood something that you always looked forward to? Yes. When I got married, I looked forward to that next chapter of becoming a father. But of course, for the first few years of marriage, I want to enjoy the marriage part, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I, I've always been, wanted to be a father, but I was nervous because I was never a kid person yeah. growing up. Yeah. But, you know, your kid is different than other people's kids. So like, I never wanted to babysit. I was always real shy about working camp ministry. I didn't want to work with the littles. Like I didn't really want to work with the smallest kids. I always wanted to work with the oldest ones. So that made me nervous. Like, okay, I'm not a kid person, but when it comes to your kid, like that's so different. And I really have enjoyed being a father. Awesome. And you're very true. Cause even for me, like, you know, I feel like it's, my time to do my time in nursery, you know, mm, like, yes, you know, I'm like, well, it's my turn, you know, <laughs> it's not really my favorite thing, but I'm like, well, this, everyone has to do their time. And since my child is of this age and it is awkward. Cause I'm like, I don't, mm-hmm. it's really, it's different. I mean, I can't wipe my child's booty a hundred times. Yes. So the booty. I don't know. <laughs> it's a little yes. So I feel you. I, I get that, but I'm glad you're enjoying it now. Mm-hmm. So before you were dad, though, did you have any thoughts about what it would be like? You know, did any of those thoughts change for you? Yeah, I, uh, of course, thought it was going to be stressful, tiring, which it was. And I thought it would be difficult, very, very difficult. And it is. But again, going back to that father son connection, that's the one thing that I didn't account for. I was nervous about watching my own kids. You mm-hmm. know, Lana and I, we've even fostered some kids. And that was very difficult and that was hard. And a lot of times, to be honest, it felt like we're babysitting and I was nervous with my own kid, but you have to factor in that parental child connection. You know, me and my sons immediately had a connection and it's different, you know? And so though it is stressful and very difficult, it's very worth it Mm -hmm. and rewarding. Those rewarding moments outweigh the stress every day, you know, those those special bonds, you know, that you have with your own kids, that mm-hmm. outweighs the difficulties every time. And it keeps you going, you know, it keeps you motivated. And again, it, it's just such a blast to work yeah. with your own kids. It is. So what are some of the challenging parts for you for fatherhood? I would say the tantrums, the screaming fits with your kids, the crying in the middle of the night, you have toys all over your house. Mm-hmm. And then of course, when it comes to discipline, when you have to discipline your own child, that's very difficult. You know, when my kids throw a fit in Walmart, you know, we're trying to get groceries. Those things are, are so challenging as a parent because there are times you're kind of embarrassed and you're kind of thinking, what, if, what is everybody else thinking of me and my parenting and my, my discipline style? You know, if I get on with my kid, you know, I just, you always think someone else is judging you or whatever, but so I would say those are the, the challenging things for me. I think it's the tantrums because I, I, I don't know if it's my personality, but that's what gets to me the most. And, and the loudness of the crying and, yeah. and just, I don't know, just causes a lot of anxiety and stress in that. me, especially if we're in public or at church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you feel forced to make this immediate response, but then you're like, wait, what response should I get? Yeah. And there's right. not just one way of doing it or mm-hmm. one way of handling a certain situation it, you have multiple options, but knowing the right one at the right time can be difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes, and yes to all of that. You know, last <laughs> night uh, we had one of those cry all night sessions with me. I've been a little under the weather. So I was like, Caleb, you have to go be the one to address that. I can't. I just can't tonight. And usually it's me. It's just easier for me. You know, mm-hmm. Caleb, when he's down, he's out when it comes to like sleep job. And it's just oh, yeah. For me, so I don't mind. But last night, I was like, I, I can't. You have to be the one. So, but it makes yeah. me wonder: Do you and Lana? Do y'all ever take turns when it comes to like the midnight cries? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I do think that some people can wake up in the middle of the night and go take care of the problem, no problem. And some <laughs> people have a harder time just yeah. waking up, just right then and there, and be ready to go. 
but usually, so both of our kids are sleep trained, so they sleep through the night, and that's been a huge blessing. Titus was much easier than Josiah. So it was mainly addressing it during those first few months. Yeah. And Lana usually would be the one to get up because, I mean, she was breastfeeding. And so it's like, she was the one to take care. Yeah. Yeah. I know that sounds like a cop out for the dad, but like, what can I do? I don't have the milk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for last night, Asher's teething. He almost has all his teeth. All Mm -hmm. just kind of crazy. So I'm pretty sure he needs some Oradell on the teeth. I don't think he got any last night. But yeah. I'm pretty sure that's why he was crying. Because you just see through Sprite. But, you know. Yeah. Yep. All right. But let's talk about those, like, those public displays of terribleness. Like, you know, the Walmart meltdowns. Like, you know, mm-hmm. what is, you know, you gave me as an example a minute ago. But what does happen? You know, what do y'all do? Everyone is a little different. If we're in Walmart, a lot of times you have to just kind of let them cry it out. Mm-hmm. Right. We've done that where we just kind of walk away because there's something that triggered that. And a lot of times it's we walked past the toys or something or or the candy, something that he wanted. And sometimes you just have to walk away, you know, and yeah. just let him cry it out and forget about it. Or maybe distract like change the, the, distract them. Yes. Put yeah. their mind on something else. Ask them a question and, and get their mind off of it completely. Or like, hey, why don't you play with this or, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Or. I've, there's been times where I said, okay, you can have something, but you can only have one thing, yeah. right? And just let them get like this dollar, you know, yeah. snack or whatever yeah. it is. What I like to do particularly is just pick up my, my kid. Usually it's Titus, pick up Titus and just walk around with them yeah. and just talk with them, you know, just hold him, talk with them and try to calm him down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes none of that works and you just have to take them to the car and your spouse has to finish the shopping, you know? So yeah, tag team. That's when it comes to the teamwork. We are never at the grocery store with our kids alone. Like we're both there together to help each other out. Yeah, that's a good plan for sure. You know, <laughs> I'm going to tell this story because I think it's it just because I'm surprised with myself, like growing up and I don't know, I'm just kind of always been, you know, this about me or maybe you don't, but like I've always been kind of like this really big role follower and like, I don't know. So like, um, you know, opening food of any sort before I've actually purchased it. I just <laughs> never would have done that before yeah. after. But because the thing is, I know, I just knew, well, he's upset because he's hungry. It's five mm-hmm. o'clock. He normally eats. So I would just open up the goldfish and give it to him. <laughs> or like now they, maybe yep. you don't know this, but there's these certain little apple juice things are like singular. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm a criminal, Jimmy, because I'm like, yes. I haven't bought this yet, but I, but I've told myself it's okay because you are going to buy that. What's the difference between now and later, <laughs> but it's taken a lot of mental work for me to be okay with that. Sure. But, but what pushed me to be okay was that, well, now my child's happy. So yeah. well, his, his needs are being met. It's not like he yeah. just wanted it. He's literally hungry. So. Yeah. You know, I'm the exact same way. I would have never opened anything in Walmart. Like, I don't want people looking at me or thinking we're stealing something. Yeah. And so, look, I, but Lana's the opposite. She's like, open it up and give them the whole whatever and, and we'll, yeah, we'll pay for it. Well, I am now. So I'm there yeah. thing for me. But yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to our discipline talk. And so with, you know, we're trying to get, um, you know, just yours and Lana's take on discipline in general. So what do you have a specific style y'all have that y'all like to lean on? I would say, like I said before, there's many options. You know, you shouldn't just have one thing that you go to all the time. So I think that your discipline style should be quite fluid. Okay. It should be changeable and adaptable because every kid is different. And I know that what works for Titus may not work for Josiah and may not work for our kids that we may have later. And so I think you have to be adaptable and changeable in that and be willing to experiment with, let's try this with him. And if, mm-hmm. if that's not quite working, let's, let's move on to something else, but give it a fair shot of working. Yeah. Um, so we've tried, we've tried different things. We've tried the reward system. If you act good, mm-hmm. you get a good reward. If you act bad, you, you get something negative. Like you don't get 
dessert or you don't get this snack or you get this toy taken away or or whatever the case may be like you, you go to bed early so like kind of a reward system we've tried timeout which seems to work really well yeah. because titus does not like timeout at all and so we'll pull up a chair and we make him sit in it you're in timeout he knows clearly you're in timeout you're in trouble and he's throwing his fit and he tries to get out of the chair we put him back in the chair we're very you know, focused on him. Um, so we, we've done that, the timeout. We've tried raising our voice, okay? Not not screaming and yelling, but yeah. raising our voice to be very stern and serious with him. We do spank Titus. We didn't start that until later, more toward yeah. when he was two. We can understand, um, so, you know. So I'm not against spanking at all, but I will say this. I don't think it should be the only discipline that we go to, right? Yeah. I think it I think we should try other things. Matter of fact, spanking is the last resort that I like to go to. The only discipline style I would say that I'm against would be an intimidation type discipline, right? Like I'm going to bully you or intimidate you or scare you because at the end of the day, I don't want my kids to be scared of me, right? So that they obey, right? Right. And that's a that's a gospel issue. We don't we don't obey Christ because we're scared scared of him. We obey him because we have a relationship with him. And so at the end of the day, you have to look at relationship over obedience and you have to say, you know what, I'm not going to intimidate or bully. And I've seen this time and time again with kids and it just creates fear in them. And so they're, they're operating out of fear instead of out of love and respect and relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a very good point. I'm so glad you brought that up and just so worth repeating Mm -hmm. guys discipline is out of love yes intimidation and bullying are not loving that's exactly the opposite it's demeaning and it's ugly and that's just not what any of that's about you know um and i'm glad you brought up the gospel net too because i think that is a where a lot of confusion is and how we view god as our heavenly father you know Mm because we have that going on that's a very good thing you brought up. I like that a lot. So. Yeah. If I could just right here, I just thought of this. I've heard the adage say that, you know, let's say you get in a car wreck or something and you say, oh no, my dad's going to kill me. Right. Yeah. Versus if you get in a car wreck and you say, hey, I've got to call my dad, he can help. Right. Like, I think that's the difference in that relationship with God that we have is, man, we messed up. We sin. It's not that our father, and heaven's going to kill us. And now we're going to be in trouble or anything like that. It's that, oh man, I've messed up. I need to go to my, my, my heavenly father yeah, who is faithful right. to me and going to forgive. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the difference, you know, in, in, in that goes to parenting. Yeah, it does. Is there anything you feel like you'd be, you could be better at? Everything every day. I feel like man, I wish I was better at this. I wish I, and I think a lot of parents probably struggle with this. You know, I don't know if I've met a parent that just feels super confident in their parenting. You know, I think we're all insecure in some area and you always think I could have handled this better. I could have done this better. Um, I wish I was helping out more at the end of the day, but you know, there are days I don't feel effective. One thing for sure is balancing your marriage plus your parenting, right? I always want to be better at that because there are days that most days that the parenting part takes all of your attention and then you're kind of losing sight of the marriage part. And so balancing that out, I I certainly feel like I could do that better. Yeah. I think that's interesting point too, because I know for me, I'm like, I don't always think about, well, what is Caleb doing or like how, how is this affecting Caleb or whatnot? Like, and it's just straight on, well, this is what Asher needs and this is what we need. He and I need together in this moment versus like having the other perspective, even, even considering that sometimes. So I think that's really, it's a really great point, Jimmy, that you bring up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's also a very important relationship. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I thought it was neat that you kind of enter an insecurity because I feel like, man, like, that is like the core of just so many different things, like not just parenting, but like a lot of stuff, you know, right up there to pride. I think insecurity causes like the majority of our problems with everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. So, but how do you define being a good dad? What does that mean to you? You know, I've thought about this a lot 
and sometimes my answer changes, but I keep coming back to the word faithful. You mm-hmm. know, I think a good dad is one that is faithful. In other words, I don't believe you have to be a perfect dad, but you do have to show up, right? A good dad yeah. is one that is is constant, someone who's stable, someone who's present, because I think we can find a lot of success in life when we are faithful to certain things. So if you're faithful to your relationship with God, yeah. you're faithful to your church, you're faithful to your job, your family, your marriage, that goes a long way. And yeah. I think that's how you find success is by being faithful. And if you do that, I think too, you're setting a good example for your kids. And so, you know, you don't have to be perfect, but you should be present and you should be faithful. Yeah. I like that word. Like when I hear you say faithful like that, for me in my mind, and I just makes me think of like, you know, the good, good father and our heavenly father and how he is. Cause in scripture just says it over and over again about him being faithful to us. And mm-hmm. maybe that's where, wow, that's where my mind goes, but you know, has any of his, when I say his, God's characteristics, you know, and how he fathers us, has that impacted you as an earthly father? Like, do you ever say, oh, well, this is how God fathers me. So therefore, this is how I want to try to father my own children. <laughs> sure. As I grow, yeah, as, as I grow in my spiritual life and in, in my relationship with Christ, like, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you try to imitate and emulate what what you experience from your relationship with God. And so, in other words, your 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 vertical relationship affects your horizontal ones every single time. As long as you're focused on that vertical relationship with God, you should be getting better at your parenting and at marriage and at ministering and being a friend and being a son and being whatever. And so I think certainly, and there are too many characteristics to name, But we'll keep going back to faithful. And for me, that's huge because a lot of kids grow up without dads, right? And that was me. Like my dad passed away when I was two years old and I didn't have a father. And so I know that fathers come and go sometimes. Either they're you lose your parent when you're young or or whatever, or they they abandon you. Like I've seen that a lot doing youth ministry. But your father in heaven has always been faithful, always been there, always been present. And that's something I try to provide for my kids, something I didn't have growing up. I want to provide that for my kids and and for some youth kids and some college kids that have also lost their father. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's really good, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so a lot of that I know is what you believe that for God, it, that, you know, you think God expects from fathers. Is there anything else you would add to that, that you, what you think God expects other than, you know, being that faithful person? Yeah. Sure. And this is something that this is my vision for my family. And also my vision for my ministry is just to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love uh, people. Right. And um, as, as he's called me to. And so particularly for my family to be so committed to my family, my kids and my wife, that I would be willing to lay down my life for them. Right. And that's yeah. the gospel. Right. Christ laid down his life for us. That's how we know we he loved us. And, you know, so I think, again, we're going back to that horizontal relationship, the love you have and the worship you have for God overflows into the relationships around you every single time. And so the expectation of me is to focus on him, abide in him and let him produce the fruit through me. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping it simple, huh? Yep. Yeah. Focus on the big thing and then the small things will take care of itself. I had a basketball coach. She said that to me all the time. (laughs) Well, how, how often do we complicate everything, right? Like we love to complicate marriage. We complicate the parenting. We complicate ministry, but it all boils down to love God and love people the way that Christ has modeled for us to do so. And so I think we, we just, you know, stop overthinking it, stop overcomplicating it. I mean, there's, there's thousands of books you could read that all say something different boil it down to the great commission, great commandment, love God, love people, make disciples, share the gospel. I mean, I, it's really that simple. Yeah. And it's good. That's such a good reminder. Like you're fresher, like, Oh yeah. And you know, calm down, chill out and just do those things. 
you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But still got a question. Um, you know, do you happen to have like a favorite Bible dad? You know, like someone you feel like who was a good example of that in scripture? You know, off the top of my head, not many come to my mind, but I do think of um, <laughs> this may sound like a Sunday school answer, but like Jesus's dad, like his earthly dad. Oh gosh, and okay, like, you're the third one to say that. I okay, well, I was betting in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to say Joseph. He's going to say Joseph. Joseph, yeah. <laughs> I'll, yeah, just off the top of my head, and and I let me look. I haven't listened to those other guys, but yeah, because think about how understanding he had to be in the whole situation, right? And how much faith. Like I think we often talk about Mary and Jesus. I mean, those are you know that's the main that's the main thing happening. But Joseph was always also there, and he was faithful to his family. He believed as well. I mean, you know, he walked through some stuff, and you know, he had a face some opposition in that and so yeah. i just think he was faithful yeah well, that's awesome that's free for joseph right now i think that's hilarious <laughs> for me it's funny i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> and each one of y'all had different reasons you know like for like admiring joseph i think that's really cool but like, man sure well that's just off the top of my head i could i just couldn't think of like a bunch of you know bible dads but anyways that's one <laughs> i would say abraham there was no uh yeah but anyways <laughs> Those guys are okay. Those guys are right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay, that's good. Good for Joseph. What are things that you want your children to know? Like as Titus and Josiah grow, you know, when they leave your house to be their own man, you know, what are things you have hoped that they know from you? Um, you know, first of all, the gospel, right? As they grow up, I want them to see the love that I have for God and how the gospel's changed me. So um, the gospel in this, that God loves them, right? Like I want them to grow up with the worldview, knowing that there is a God and that, that God loves them and Christ died for their sins uh, so that they can be saved and have a relationship with him. Uh, not only do I want them to know that God loves them, I want them to know that I love them, uh, yeah. regardless of what life style or belief they mm -hmm. choose to, because eventually, look, my faith is my faith. It's not going to be my kid's faith, even though I, I'm going to try my hardest to pass down my faith and disciple my kids, um, put them in places to hear the gospel. Uh, eventually, it's got to be their belief. It's got to be their choice, their decision to follow Christ. And so regardless if they become a Christian or not, or an atheist or or choose whatever lifestyle that may contradict what we believe. Mm -hmm. I want them to know that I love them no matter what. And then I would say the last thing is that they have a purpose and a mission. Um, mm -hmm. God loves them. I love them and they have a purpose, right? And their mission is to love people and share the gospel with others. And so I want them to grow up knowing that um, so that when they go to school, they can be the lie of the world at school. When they go to their job, they can be the, the salt and the lie of the world at their job. That's good. And I love that you just really made a point about like being their own faith, you know, and that just creating that safety, that that intimate safetyness with them, that they never had to fear of like losing your love just because they're not doing your will with that. I don't yeah. know. You know, sure. like the love is still there because I feel like for the detriment of our faith, really, you know, for the faith that we said that we believe, like for people that you know, decide they're going to be in a gay lifestyle or now it's even just being transgender or whatever and all these different things. Yeah. Like the fear is I'm going to like just be shunned and cut off from my family. And right. I think that's very opposite of how God has even told us to be. Like if we're, if you're professing to be that, I don't think that should ever be our response, you know, <clears throat> to our children, for especially, I mean, sure. You know, yeah, we have our own oppositions to whatnot, but to just to deny love outright, I mean, Jesus never even did that to like, you know, to anybody. So if I give up on my kids, right? Yeah. Why would they ever trust to come back? And right. so if I turn my back on them and say, Oh, you're living a lifestyle I don't agree with, so mm -hmm. I'm gonna disown you, I'm gonna kick you out, I, I don't want a relationship with you, then when they get in a situation where they may, maybe they're seeking or maybe they're asking questions or maybe they're wanting to come back. I want them to know they can always come back. 
and that we can yeah. always sit down and have this conversation. I'm never yeah. going to cut my kids off and say, you can't, you can't come here. You know, you can't yeah. uh, come and confide in me. So, yeah. Yeah. So I love that you make that point and stuff. That's great. What are the ways that you are, you know, intentionally guiding your children to Christ? I know you mentioned like you're trying to purposely place them like in, in places to, to hear the gospel other than just from you. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are there, are there other ways that you're trying to guide your children to Christ? So I would say that my actions are going to speak louder than my words. They're going to, they're not going to remember everything I tell them or teach them, but they'll remember me and how I made them feel and how I acted in my everyday life. And there was a study, um, there was a study done on, on parenting and well, particularly with preachers, kids. And they did this study that, yeah, uh, they, they did this study on preacher's kids because, you know, preacher's kids are kind of, I mean, they, they have a reputation of like running away from the faith, right? Leaving the church and all this kind of stuff. And so they particularly asked these, these kids that left the faith that were preacher's kids, why did you leave the church? And the majority of them, and I don't have a percentage or anything, but I know that the majority of them said, it's because my dad was someone different at home than he was at church. He was different on Monday than he was on Sunday. In other words, my dad put on a facade, he put on a mask, and and it was not consistent with his lifestyle. And so to me, that shows that, man, my kids are preacher's kids, right? I better be authentic at church and at home if I want them to grow in a healthy Christian home and yeah. uh, and live a healthy Christian life. And so, look... And I'm going to say something a little controversial. Maybe, maybe this is not not the the what you're going to hear in the fatherhood series or the motherhood series. You did. I'm not a big fan of family devotions. I'm yeah. not. I'm not a big fan of sitting around the table. Let's have a family devotion one day a week or every day yeah. at dinner or whatever. Yeah. However, I am a fan of ongoing conversations, like in the car, at home, at school. Uh, at a sports game where I have those moments, those teachable uh, discipleship moments with my kids so that it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like we're we're all trying to come up with something, but it's in everyday situations, everyday conversations that discipleship doesn't happen necessarily in just a classroom setting. Jesus was on the move, right? Like he was walking and then he was, you know, walking in a garden and he, and he taught his disciples, you know, using the, the example, of the vine and the branches and, and they were walking on the road and he would teach them something. They were sitting around a meal and they would teach. So there would be times where we talk about the Bible around the dinner table, but I also want to talk about the Bible in the car or at the, yeah, you know, yeah. at, you know, their sporting event or at school or something like that. So ongoing daily conversations, more than just a one day a week devotional. Uh, I like that. I think that's good. And just making those, displaying the authentic relationship versus a presentation, you know, because I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Like if you have it, you know, set up so structured, then it becomes like a presentation. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not against people. I'm not against people who do family devotions. I think that's great because a lot of families don't even do that. And so I think that's, that's fine. It's great. It's just not personally what I want to do. Because yeah. I want, I want gospel language being like uh, very fluent in our conversations all the time, and not just yeah. you know at a particular place. Yeah, you just want to make sure that it's known that this is everywhere and this is all part of me, all of me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's great, and I think that's a lot of wisdom in that, and I love it. It's good. And just like you said earlier, like, you know, sometimes like earlier in our conversation, like, you know, for other families, maybe, maybe the structure part is what they need, you know, because every family and every child, all that's different and how it's needed. So like for your family, I think the fluid motion, maybe that's rocking on and that's how it's going to be for y'all. And that's great. You know, other families, maybe it's needed to have, Hey, we're so busy and we're not together together, like mm-hmm. on the same page with each other that we need a you know, a timeout moment. So we're just to say, Hey, let's recognize yeah. what's important to us, you know, or try to refocus. So yeah. Yep. You know, on to my next question though, uh, 
what role does, you know, big church worship? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I have to pause like, wait, what is it actually called? Because if you grow up in church forever, you just always call it big church. Yeah. But it's just called the worship service or the service. Sure. Um, but what, it, <laughs> what role does that play, you know, along with children's ministry and youth ministry and all that, you know, how does, what are those ministries? How, how does that work in with parenting for you? Yeah. I, you know, I, I just want to say this because I've worked in the church um, mm-hmm. for almost 10 years uh, on staff at a church. Um currently not on staff at a church. I'm, I'm actually just college ministry, you know, but not on staff at a church. I'm supported by 25 churches. Um, so I would say the church is a tremendous help, right. To a family that needs some, you know, we, we need the church church is absolutely essential for our growth in Christ. It provides a, a, an authentic, hopefully, hopefully authentic biblical community and it's necessary for our growth. However, um, and we know that it's important to Christ, right? Like it's it's yeah. important in the book of Acts. We need the church. Absolutely. However, I think a lot of parents say, you know what? I'm not good at the Bible thing or teaching my kids the gospel or discipleship or family devotion. So I'm just going to rely on the church to help my kids grow. I just think that is as parents, we need to take responsibility of discipling our own kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and I think the church is there as a help and as a resource. And, you know, yeah, parents spend much more time with their kids than the church ministers do. You know, I get I get teenagers. I would get teenagers a, a couple, two, three, four hours a week, you know, but they're with their parents for a lot longer than that. And so. I think maybe the church needs to do a better job at equipping the parents to be the main disciple makers in their kid's life. You know, it's funny that Jimmy, because like, you know, I did go to seminary for a little bit and one of the reasons, well, there's more, that's a whole nother podcast conversation, but, uh, but part of it was like, I was underneath, I was working at a church for the after school program they had. And so my boss was the children's minister and it was a female. And I noticed, I'm like, well, children's ministry is more about equipping parents. And I noticed that. And for me, and especially at the time of my life, like I like children, I liked kids and the like, but Sunday school teachers don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a layman job. That's a volunteer job. Right. And I was like, well, but at the same time, I mean, that was part of my wrestle was like, yeah, but a children's minister, they minister to the parents and yuck, I don't want to do that with parents. Like I, you know, mm. Yeah. Um, but it's supposed to be, uh, so Jennifer Mosty was at the, at the time. So shout out to her. She did a good job at, at least showing me that without even really showing me that, like she didn't like pull me aside or anything. I just noticed it cause she was doing that well, but you're right. Like, uh, you know, I feel like good ministry in a way should be about equipping parents, you know, like making that yes. focus versus, yeah, we're providing this for your kid, but most importantly, we're providing these resources for you guys. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that this past Sunday, I actually preached on that. Like I preached and I told this congregation, you know, I'm, I'm an interim pastor right now yeah. at a small church. And I told them, I said, the job of the minister is not to carry out all the roles and responsibilities of ministry. They're there to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And that includes the parent. We try to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, but the, the ministers themselves cannot carry out all of the ministry uh, themselves. A saint is someone who's professing to be a follower of Christ. You know, that's, yes. so that's anybody that's a believer. I think some people yes. like understand like, maybe they're too intimidated or they don't consider themselves a part of a part of that. But yeah. So um, yeah, every, every Christian has a ministry. Yeah. They do. And, I think the biggest one is their family run. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I know the babies or babies is you know Titus and Josiah are super young. Are there any specific scriptures that you're even attempting to try, or do you have anything planned? Maybe you want them to learn. I mean, I don't know. I was, I'm always curious because I do have a plan, so I just want to know if anybody else is like is weird like me. But <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
I, I don't have a particular plan, uh, but we have a lot of um, good children's Bibles mm-hmm. to just start. You know, Titus is at an age where he's starting to appreciate the storytelling and yeah. appreciate shows and movies and can kind of start to repeat them. And so um, we we our plan is to take them through the children's Bibles, not necessarily to like go to a particular scripture or go to a, a start memorizing a particular scripture. I think he's maybe a little too young right now, but yeah. we're close. We're close. Um, but yeah, just taking them through children's Bibles to start introducing them. Mm-hmm. And eventually when they're older, I'm hoping that they walk in the living room and I'm, you know, reading the Bible or something and they join you in my quiet time, you know, something uh, like that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. So bed, bedtime's a great time to go over Bible stories and stuff with kids, I think. Um, and then hopefully one day they'll join me in yeah. my quiet time. Yeah. Are there any particular like Bible, like children's Bibles that you're, like, you're thinking about or just like any of them and you're just any of them? You know, I don't even know the names of them. I'm not a, a children's yeah. guy. Like and, yeah. and some of them were, yeah. were recommendations from a children's pastor friend of mine. He said, hey, yeah. this is a great one that we do with our kids. Yeah. And so we got several from them. Some were gifts. Um, I can't. I, I, I don't want to give you the wrong title. I know one was about creation and it was uh, Louis Giglio put oh. out uh, like a children's devotional okay. Bible type thing that was all about the creation um, or God of wonders or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't know that. And uh, Louis Gigolo for, uh, for adults, you know, does really great with that. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine if he was able to break that down for a child level, like that's something I'm interested in. So I'm glad, and I'm glad I asked you that. Yeah. Go look it up. I will. I will be looking at everyone else who will be looking in the show notes work because I will be looking looking that up for y'all. You know, so I know you're probably not going to plan to do a weekly Bible study time. I think we talked about mm-hmm. that a little bit, um, you know, but is there a time that you're going to try to focus on what was taught at church for the week? Yeah. Um, and, and I would say this, you know, um, I know my controversial statements from earlier, but we will have times where we sit down and discuss the Bible um, at bedtime. There will be times at lunch, but, you know, you think about, um, so at my last church, we, we used to do this really cool thing where we would put questions, um, in the bulletin that oh. pertain to the sermon they list that we all listen to. Mm-hmm. And it was a discussion guide for lunch. And so you'd go home, uh, you take the questions with you and, and you can discuss the scripture that was preached and some of the points that the pastor made and just have a lunch on Sunday, um, you know, just kind of recapping the sermon and make sure that everybody, you know, did you understand what he was saying? Do you have any questions? Uh, what were the insights that you took from it? Any notes? And I love that idea. You know, um, when you think about church, sometimes we're, we are overloaded with information. Uh, in other words, you go to Sunday school and it's one lesson. You go to Sunday morning, it's another. Go to Sunday night, it's another. You go to Wednesday night, it's another. You go to a Thursday night Bible study and it's a different lesson. Uh, and sometimes we're overloaded with information that we don't have time to apply any of them. And so I love the idea of capitalizing on the Sunday morning sermon and doing a yeah. small group time with your family or something like that based on the sermon. And uh, even like your Sunday school class could be based off of the sermon mm-hmm. as well. Just, so you know, just taking that time to digest, like, and really, you know, meditate yes. on like what that is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's good. That's good for big people too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> just our little people in our, in our small families. Okay. So <clears throat> we're going to pivot a little bit away from um, the Jesus stuff. It's been good talk though. So for you, like, what is some of your, like, the favorite parts, you know, of fatherhood for you? Like, what are some things you enjoy the most? So I mentioned this at the beginning of our conversation, but I love that father-son connection. And I can't describe it. I can't, you know, from the moment they were born, there was just this connection. And it was emotional and it was 
I mean, it was, man, it, it took me off guard. I wasn't ready for it, but I love the father-son connection. I love when Titus wakes up in the morning and he calls for his dad or daddy, you know, I love that. And, um, you know, or, or like you're walking in the park or something and, and, and he comes, he holds my hand, you know, we're walking or falls asleep on my shoulders. Um, there, I love when we pray together, uh, before bed, um, those moments, again, the, those rewarding moments like that, that connection outweighs and, and just, you know, you forget about the difficult day you've had, you forget about the stress that they caused you all day in the tantrum. And it's those moments you're like, okay, this is, this is the reward. This is worth it. Yeah. I'm usually the one that like drops off and picks up uh, Asher from, from daycare. And I love it when I go to open up his door and I see him because initially he's doing something else. And the moment he sees me, I'm like, I'm waiting for it. He'll get up and run to me. And I'm yes. like, and I'm like, yes. Yeah, you wanted me, you know, like, yeah, you knew that it was me. I was the someone special here to rescue you. So, yeah, yeah, that definitely was a very, very cool thing to have that. Being a parent in general is just that, that, you know. Do you have any advice, you know, that you'd want to give to a dad that's in a stage below you? Well, obviously, I haven't been a dad very long, yeah. um, but even in just the two years of being a dad, I've learned so much. And what I would say to somebody is just to be patient, to be present, to be available for your kids. I would say you need to invest in your marriage first. If your marriage falls apart, the family falls apart. And I think we have a problem in the church. We have a problem in our society and Christian parenting and just parenting in general where we sometimes idolize our kids and they take that place of your marriage and um, you hold them, you know, you you have to focus on the marriage because again, if the marriage falls apart, right, uh, the family falls apart and we see too much of that. We need to be people are very intentional about investing in our marriage and making sure that's healthy so that we can parent healthy. You know, wow. That's, it's really good. Jimmy. mean, like, that's just very, very solid advice there, you know, being patient, present and available. And, you know, definitely with some wise words to live by, but you mentioned marriage uh, quite often in our conversation, which is unique. And I think it's pretty cool. Can you tell us more why, like why that you you feel it's so important? Sure. I look, I've, (laughs) I've, not been a parent very long, but I've witnessed parenting for a long time. You know, I've, I've seen other parents and I've learned a lot from um, a lot of uh, godly couples and godly parents in my life. Um, And I've seen students that were neglected and I've seen students that were idolized over, you know, and so if you're just, if you just pay attention yeah. If you just pay attention to what's happening around you and you listen to the stories of uh, when you're in ministry, you listen to stories of teenagers and, um, yeah. and children, um, you learn a lot. And of course, I mean, just being in the word, you learn so much just being in the word. But I think when Len and I both went into marriage, we talked about expectations Mm-hmm. What do we expect out of this marriage? What do we expect about our parenting? Let's get on the same page with that. Um, and we both agree that our marriage comes before our kids so that we don't see this thing fall apart. We want to make sure it's healthy and all ends. And again, your parenting is not going to be healthy if your marriage is not healthy. And, yeah. and your kids are looking to you, both the mom and the dad, um, to, to grow and to emulate and to learn. And, and if, if mom is not healthy or if dad's not healthy, then the kids are going to get a false, you know, they're, they're not going to have that example they need. And yeah. so we've got to focus on that, but I think scripture's clear about that as well. So. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's a good answer there. I feel like you're, what you're getting at is like, it's just the foundation of the family. You that's know? right. We let that crumble, you know, so yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. All right. Now it's time for my very favorite question. You know, what is your favorite memory of your sons? 
I would say for both of them, um, it had to be the day they were born. And we had, and I say that we, we had a great experience with both of our kids. Okay. Great. You know, labor experience, no complications whatsoever. Um, you know, it was a somewhat easy labor for Lana and she would tell you that too. So I'm not speaking, you know, just saying, I thought it was easy. She's told me that. Um, and it was an enjoyable experience. We had great staff and again, just seeing my kids for the first time and feeling that connection and being overwhelmed with emotions, um, and then overwhelmed, like, do I deserve this? Like God is entrusting me with my kids. Uh, what am I, I'm such an idiot. What am I doing? Like, you know, I'm like, I don't feel worthy. I don't, I'm insecure, but the day they're born, man, there's nothing like it. And I can't explain it to, you can't explain that feeling to anybody. You just have to experience it yourself. So I would say, man, those are my favorite days. Yeah. Uh, the day they were born and getting to hold them for the first time, you know, love it. Love did you it. Cry, I did not cry. I will say this. I cried watching Lana in labor because it was like, there's nothing I can do, but be here with her. Yeah. Um, that was the hardest part for me was watching her go through the, you know, yeah. and like I said, she did say it was easy, but I mean, she still had a lot of, you know, help yeah. and medication and all this stuff, but watching her have to go through all that. And it's hard, I think just to sit and watch that. Um, yeah. But then, but then afterwards, no, I didn't cry with my kids. I don't know why I'm just, but anyways, yeah. I didn't cry. Or like a jubilation or like, Oh my God. This is my son. Yeah. No, look, I, I'm a very calm, collected person. I didn't cry. I didn't get overly joyed. I just enjoyed the moment and yeah. it was great. But you were still, you were just still feeling all the things on the inside, you know? Absolutely. I was overwhelmed with emotions. Absolutely. On the inside. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was awesome. Good. Well, that's really sweet. And I hope that your boys at some point get to get to hear this part of the podcast, at least for them to know that they were <laughs> such joys for you, you know, at, at the moment of their birth. That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Jamie, it's been a, a pleasure spending time with you this evening. I'm glad we got to catch up some and talk about this dad life. It's been good. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Great. You know, I'm just a mom, but this conversation has inspired me so much. And I really respect the role that fathers feel, you know, that this parenting thing is is not meant for just one role or the other. You know, mothers do their own thing and we have our own part in this, but fathers, they're important to you. And um, yeah, I mean, parenting was definitely designed for more than one person. And I think the father role is equally as important. My name is Jimmy, and this is my story of the middle. This is your host, Brandy Bostic, and you've been listening to part three of the Fatherhood series from the Up From The Up podcast. Next week, we'll be wrapping up our Fatherhood series with Associate Pastor Jarrett Fix from Cedar Crest Baptist Church. Psalm 40, verse 2, he brought me up from the desolate place out of the muddy clay and set my feet on the rock, making my steps secure. <laughs>